welcome back to Drilled. I'm Amy Westervelt. Back in 2021, we did a season of the podcast on the fossil fuel industry's turn toward plastic and petrochemicals as the thing that would save it as the world turned away from combustion engines. They have only leaned further into that plan over the last two years, but as we documented in our plastic pipelines season, grassroots activists have had a lot of success holding them off, one ethane cracker facility at a time. The Formosa plant that was planned for St. James Parish back then is still on hold now, thanks to various legal complaints filed on behalf of local groups like Rise St. James, whose efforts we profiled in that season. You can tell the organizers in Louisiana are getting it done because suddenly the industry is organizing against them. Last year, some serious money joined the petrochemicals fight when Bloomberg Philanthropies committed $85 million to the new Beyond Petrochemicals campaign. The campaign is focused on stopping the 120 new petrochemical facilities proposed in Louisiana, Texas, and Pennsylvania. So suddenly, a new advocacy group has emerged. It calls itself the Sustainability Council and it's led by big oil companies and industry groups and backed by local officials and chambers of commerce. The sustainability this council is interested in is the petrochemical industry's sustainability. So it's working hard to try to discredit local organizers and paint the push against petrochemicals in Louisiana's Cancer Alley as an effort pushed by outsiders. I got a chance to speak with a couple of those organizers, Shamira Levine with Rye St. James and Joe Banner of The Descendants Project last month about their ongoing work and what they think of this new challenge to it. That conversation's coming up right after this quick break. Does it make sense to you that the same company that controls half of online retail also passively eavesdrops on your private conversations at home? How about the idea that a single company controls 90% of internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech is more powerful than most countries, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between these guys and your online activity. And that's why I use ExpressVPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Every site you visit, video you watch, message you send gets tracked and data mined. But when you use ExpressVPN on your devices, the software hides your IP address. That's something that big tech uses to personally identify you. So ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. This has become sadly very important in my line of work. It's also why ExpressVPN is rated number one by CNET, Wired, TechRadar, and a lot of other sites. What I like most about ExpressVPN is how easy it is to use. You download the app, it's very easy to install, you tap a button, and then you're protected. 
I like hardly even think about it anymore. And it's just working away in the background on all my devices. So stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me safe online. Visit expressvpn.com slash drilled. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash drilled to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash drilled right now to learn more. This holiday season, get a gift for yourself too, and keep it simple. I gave myself the gift of a better, more convenient laundry experience. I know, I know, laundry doesn't sound like a gift, but honestly, Earth Breeze just makes it so much easier. Think about how you actually do laundry. You have to work out how much detergent to pour, lift that big plastic jug, hope the goo doesn't get everywhere. It's annoying. But Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look like nothing I've ever seen in the detergent aisle. It's almost, it's like a dryer sheet kind of, but it's the detergent and you throw it in and then that's it. There's no measuring, no nothing. It works in hot and cold. It's also dermatologist tested, hypoallergenic, and free of bleach and dyes. And it fights everyday stains and odors. You get a powerful clean, but you don't have to deal with all that packaging. Right now, my listeners can get started with Earth Breeze and save 40%, 40%.40%. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. My name is Shamara Levine, or Myra Levine, either way, and I am the executive assistant at Rise St. James. I've been working with Rise since 2020, but I was born and raised in St. James. So I have firsthand experience in Cantor Alley, and I grew up with these industries. And to give you a little bit of background on Rise St. James, it is a faith-based grassroots organization that was founded by my mom, Sharon Levine, that is fighting the expansion and the build of petrochemical facilities in St. James Parish and in Cancer Alley and surrounding areas. The fifth district where I'm from and where my mom still lives to this day is overburdened with pollution from petrochemical facilities. In a 10-mile radius, there are 12 industries. The industries have used a lot of financial persuasion to get the local leaders and politicians to side with them. So we are fighting local leadership as well. They refuse to represent us. Instead, they're choosing to represent the industries. 
the whole purpose of fighting these industries is so that we can have clean air, clean water, and clean soil. We want a place for our children to be able to grow up and live in. And if you've never been to St. James, I highly recommend that you come see it because it's overburdened, but it's a sanctuary. It's beautiful and it's peaceful and it's green and it's lush. And it's a place that I look to retire at one day. And it's always going to be my home. And I want to go back to live there after we get all of these industries out of St. James. I talked to your mom a few years ago and I was so struck to learn about just how rural and agricultural St. James was before all of these industries came in and, and how not that long ago that was. Absolutely. My grandfather was a farmer. Yeah. So I had memories growing up of going to his house and seeing the chickens, getting <laughs> eggs out of the chicken coop so we can make breakfast, the cows, the goats, the bull that we were scared of. And also growing up as a little girl, eating the sugar cane that grew in the backyard, you know, just put peeling that, that stalk off down and just sucking the sugar off of it. It was like heaven. I thought that I had the paradise of life in St. James with me that I can just walk up to a tree and pull the fruit off or walk in the backyard and eat a stalk of sugarcane. So it breaks my heart to see the condition that it's in. And it breaks my heart to know that the government and the leaders here know that this is going on and they're choosing to allow it to continue. That's what breaks my heart the most. Yeah. That was very powerful, Myra. I love hearing you all talk about St. James and my family. We're in St. John the Baptist Parish, which is right on the border of St. James Parish on the West Bank. And unfortunately, we share a lot of the same history, the ruralness, the families and family names. And we also are part of Cancer Rally. So we struggle to fight against petrochemical as well. But Joy and I, how we got started was really our love for Louisiana, our history and our heritage. Our grandparents would babysit us as our parents who actually worked for industry were at work. We would come home and we would Listen to our grandparents who love to tell stories about life along the river and their history and talking about their grandparents and the folklore and the folktales. So we just had this real deep rootedness in the community through them. Like they made us feel so connected to the area that we're at. It's in the country. I still live there, by the way, in my, my same little neighborhood or village that was started by my great grandfather. So about a hundred or so years ago, my great grandparents bought land and my great uncle, their son also bought land when he was 14 years old. So through those land purchases, my family created a village and we were all able to live together. So our days as children were just spent running through the neighborhood, through the cane fields and the open area with our cousins because we lived in like this sanctuary almost. There's no such thing as immediate family. I like to say, like, I never knew that term existed because our family was so big. You can never just consider your parents or your siblings as your like immediate family because everyone is immediate to us. And it just offered us a way of support and sharing and nurturing and just also good times that you like that's part of the American dream that we hear about. So having that lifestyle, having that connection made us really love our culture and that led us into the tourism industry. And tourism in our part of Louisiana is plantation tourism. So the mm -hmm. best way to like tap into our love of our area and our, our ancestry was through plantations, which is bittersweet that that's the way we have to access our history if we want to make a, a living through that, if we want to stay in that right. space. 
Right. But anyway, Joy and I, like we did that. We worked for our first job that we had was at Laura Plantation. And my ancestor descended from Laura Plantation. So we've started there, but it was the best African-American history that I ever had was being on that plantation. Like I understood what it meant to be descended from the enslaved and their intelligence and their skill. So I say that as a good thing, but also kind of as a bad thing that I had to go there at 18 years old to get that history. The history that has not been allowed to our our people has been hard to access it because it's trauma. So you almost have to be buffered a little bit to kind of get that history. And ironic that it comes from a plantation when a history is done better. You know, I'm not going to say it's always done the right way, but when it's done better, it can be cathartic and it could be educational. So that led us on to the being in the space of tourism and joy later worked for Whitney plantation as the director of communications. I worked for a tourist commission in the river parishes. So I was representing 11 different plantation homes in addition to other attractions, but being in that world, what it exposed me to was just how much descendants were excluded from our own history and how we were not allowed to participate. We were not given the same access and space that these plantations were given. And when we tried to like infuse our own narratives, our truth, we were shot down because it wasn't making money. But in addition to tourism, what I saw was that tourism and heavy industry and the petrochemical companies are in bed together in, in the River Parish in Cancer Alley. There's not an advocate for us. It's not an advocate for descendants for the past or their futures. And we were getting eaten up by the policies of both, right? One that was not giving us the space to have participation and contribution to our own history. And the other one, you know, killing us and trying to run us off of our land. So we, we started the Descendants Project to counter that. It was really initially what it was first, was like we want to be engaged in tourism. We want to have descendants tell their own story. And we also saw it as a way that descendants can engage in a healthier industry. So if we're involved in this, we don't have to work in plants. We don't have to work in the industries that are killing us. And we can do something that speaks to our creativity, to our humanity and the humanities of our communities. So that was what we wanted to do. Knowing that environmental justice is part of like the overall well-being of the descendant community. But as soon as basically six months within us starting our organization and starting to formalize we then had to face a grain terminal from Greenfield, Louisiana, that's proposing to locate on the former grounds of Formosa Plantation. So because of zoning that happened 30 years ago to facilitate Formosa, Formosa didn't come, thankfully, although I hate that they're trying to locate to St. James still, but they didn't come, but the land stayed zoned for Formosa. So that allows any heavy industry to come in, hence the reason why we have to now stop a grain terminal that causes a lot of pollution and it would destroy our community. Mm, that's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that, both of you. And I'm really curious to hear more about this quote unquote sustainability council that has just started. What were these folks kind of doing before and how have they organized into this council to try to work against the work that you're both doing? Well, what's infuriating to me is if you look at this council, there's a lot, for example, the Tourist Commission that I work for, the, I don't know if the Tourist Commission will participate, but they are one of these people that's on the list, which is something that I've always known about these, these wow. through lines, right? So now you have tourism that is fighting against the things that they're supposed to be protecting. 
but, you know, the parish presidents that ignore us, that refuse to meet with us, are now meeting in this, this other space where they're talking about, you know, Mike Bloomberg and money from the outside, quote unquote, which is ridiculous. Because if you think about Louisiana, the reason why Louisiana was made or was created was before for commerce, international commerce, to make money from other areas of the world. So the fact that they have the same people that will brag about international or interstate commerce on a daily, you know, are now saying that this is a bad thing because it's somebody that is going against their interest. And they shouldn't have any interest. We are the locals. We do try to talk to them. They ignore us. They ignore us. So you can't, we are hyper local and they refuse to talk to us. So now they get mad at us because other people listen. You know, when we gave them the opportunity to talk to us and they refuse, they now get mad because other people want to listen. I agree with that, Joe. Very well said. I find it humorous almost that they do not want outside money coming in. However, these chemical plants are owned by foreign owners. So Formosa itself was it is a Taiwanese project. So getting foreign funds is, is the name of the game when it comes to petrochemical industries. But I think that the Sustainability Council, quote unquote, is is worried about Bloomberg helping and shining light on this fight because of how successful his Beyond Coal campaign was. It reduced 70% of the coal emissions and shut down all of the facilities except for one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, you know, when Bloomberg gets involved in something and starts a campaign for something, you know things are going to change. There's going to be success. You know that he has the power and the authority to do it. And so I was very honored whenever he launched the Beyond Petrochemicals campaign and had my mom come and Reverend Yearwood attend. And I, I attended as well to watch this monumental moment. So, of course. But listen, like Joe said, they wouldn't meet with us. So now that someone else is listening to us, now that's a problem. So, it, you know, it is what it is, Amy. So have they not reached out to, to meet with any of the environmental groups directly? No, and they never do. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> they meet with the parish council and the local leaders, and those local leaders do not represent the opinion of the people. And we have the 5th District Councilman on tape saying that he knew that the community did not want Formosa to build there, but he still voted yes for Formosa in direct conflict with what the community wanted. Mm. But it shows you, too, when you have somebody like Mike Bloomberg and the Beyond Petro team come in and saying, OK, well, you know, here's money. They don't want that money. That money is not good or that money is the wrong type of money. So it's not only just about money, what it shows you, it's about power, which is why we are, you know, what happens when you have a, a system that's so tied to slavery It's still to this day, it's still not enough for money is that they want control of us. And they hate the fact that we are showing them they do not have control of us. And neither does Mike Bloomberg, by the way. You know, we are, this is a person who wants to listen to us. And we listen to anybody, if whether they donate a dollar or whether they donate 85 million, we listen to everybody who listens to us. So, you know, we, we love everybody who support us and it should be no different with Mike Bloomberg. Yeah, the grassroots groups there in the Gulf had some big victories pre-Bloomberg funding. So I, I can see why they might be worried that with additional funding, that gets stronger. But it's not like the only reason that your work is winning is because of this new 
money. Have you seen anything prior to this, you know, these messaging slides and stuff being leaked? Did you notice anything coming out of this sustainability council where they were trying to push this messaging that like, oh, it's out of state elites that are trying to tell Louisiana what to do and that that sort of thing? Yes, I did. We have an intern that's working for us and she's been, you know, researching and keeping an eye on it. And she came to let me know, oh, there's a bunch of different industries and people that represent industries that are saying they're forming a council to combat what we're doing. And I looked at her and she told me this and she showed, she pulled it up online and showed me some things they had put on social media. And I was like, this is so interesting, but it does not intimidate me whatsoever because I feel like this is my opinion. We want clean air, clean soil, clean water for our kids to have a sustainable future. We want to be able to live and breathe without illnesses and disease. We want what any parent would want for their child, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. So even the people that's working in these industries, we can relate on that, on that same premise that you want to keep your job most likely because you want to be able to provide and make sure your kids have a sustainable future and healthy. That's what you want. We want the same things. What we're saying is we're not against those industry workers. We're against the pollution that's coming from the billionaires that own these facilities that they own these facilities, they let it pollute, and then they go on and leave and go back to their country or their city or their state. But most of the industry workers don't live in Cancer Alley, but the ones that do, you are facing the same problems that we have. The wind doesn't just blow at our house. The wind blows all around and you cannot escape that. So we are not in opposition with the people that work in those industries. And I see this sustainability council and I think that it's a joke Mm. because you're trying to deny that we only want to live a healthy life. And I know that the workers there want to live a healthy life as well. We're a lot more similar than we are different. So I'm not phased by this. To me, it tells me that they're worried and that they're scared. Yeah. And they're concerned about what we have going on. This fight was brewing up a long time before my mama stood up and decided to fight back. Mm -hmm. But now she has fought back. And now the, the power is with us. We have had victories. We have gotten Formosa's permits revoked by a judge in September of 2022. We have stopped South Louisiana methanol from being able to build. We stopped wine waffle coming in, but only because we want to have a healthy environment for our kids. That's it. So if Bloomberg recognizes that and sees the humanity in us, maybe they should try it. Well, and I think, Joe, you said this earlier too, that, you know, the out-of-state money pushing this industry in Cancer Alley has been there for a long time. I don't know. It seems like a weird talking point to try to push. Are you seeing them try to seed this talking point in the media? Is it working at all? Or how's the public responding? Is anyone actually taking this council seriously? I will say that. And, you know, I think what Shamar made some really great points. But, but to add that, I think it's really, in a sense, racist to feel that, so you think about the victories that, you know, that, that Shamara and her family and, and Sharon and Rise and, you know, Sierra Club and, and Earth Justice and all these groups have been working towards how much success they've had. But now since Mike Bloomberg enters the picture, wow, we got to make a sustainability council. Right. 
we were winning before, right? right we we right. have our case. We have a hearing tomorrow about the zoning of the land, um, you know, for the Grand Terminal. So all of the success, right? But only now they make a sustainability council when a white man enters the picture in that way. So I, I think that's such a racist trope, if you ask me, that now our success will be tied to just this one person now. And not to say that these campaigns campaigns don't help and that we need we don't need the help, but let's give credit where credit is due to the many people who have fought through all to get to the space to buy time, right? To buy time so that we do have this other layer to come. But what I have noticed is that they're using sustainability as right. part of that title. They knew what they were doing. And also, like if you go to their websites, any of these companies' websites, it looks like it's an environmental justice group. It's totally green. There's like flowers everywhere. They have the lead so buried to where you look on the first two pages of their website and you really see more about the climate and the new processes that are making everything better. So they're very skilled at what they're doing when it comes to greenwashing. I will give them that. Yeah. But we're not falling for it. And I think more people understand that this is a Trojan horse and we, we know exactly what they want, which is they want to destroy us. Is there anything that you guys are planning to do to, to sort of like publicly address this? I know you're doing some media outreach. Is there any kind of campaign you're thinking of or, or are you just kind of like, eh, we don't need to because it's such nonsense? Well, we're always in the works of campaigning and advertising. I have a feeling that they're going to do, you know, a lot of media, a lot of advertising. And so we're preparing for that. We're preparing to dismantle their argument. We're preparing to show the hypocrisy that they are. And we're preparing to expose the projecting that they're doing. Even the name Sustainability Council is a joke. But as always, we know that we have to fight the politicians and the local leaders. And we know that we have to fight the people that's in the industries. But we also plan to connect with these workers to let them know, you know, we're moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas that care about their kids and care about the environment and care about the future. I would like to add, in attempts to like protect our area, we have been named West Bank of St. John the Baptist Parish, which includes Wallace, has been named to the National Trust of Historic Preservation's most 11 most endangered historic sites for the country. So being on that list, it's kind of like, yeah, it's good to be on the list, but it is scary. But out of the 350 sites that have been placed on that list, only a handful have ever been lost. So the media attention and also like the historic preservation fight that we've been putting up, especially in, in regards to the Army Corps of Engineers and going through that process has been so helpful. And also we want to let them know, like Joe said, with Bloomberg, we're so grateful for his help, but we've had victories before Bloomberg. So we're planning to continue to keep fighting. This is only going to add fuel to our fire. This only excites us and motivates us even more. That's it for this time. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Drilled is an original Critical Frequency production. Our producer is Sarah Ventry. Sound design, mixing, and mastering are by Peter Duff who also wrote our original score. Our First Amendment attorney is James Wheaton at the First Amendment Project. And the show is reported, written, and hosted by me, Amy Westervelt. Mm-hmm.